You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm here as always with David Ormill, and we are doing part two of our two-part mailbag this week. Let's jump right in. Our first question comes from Brian Young. Recently, Goran Dragic turned 31, and it's got me thinking, how much longer is the window open for Dragic to be the type of player that can either lead Miami to the playoffs or be the second or third best player on a contending team? Considering the way he plays, can he be a 20-6 and six guy on, near, on a near 50% shooting when he's 33 or 34 years old? I think initially my thought is that, yes, he can. Um, and it was an interesting question because it's so it, it's so strange that we assume that that's a problem for Gorn. But then I looked at somebody just off the top of my head who might be comparable. And to me, that was not necessarily comparable as far as their styles of play, but maybe somebody who's aging and who doesn't get a lot of that kind of attention as far as his longevity is concerned. That was Chris Paul. Did you know that Chris Paul was actually one year exactly older than Goran Dragic? I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, but both born on the same day. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, May 6, Goran in 86, Chris Paul in 85. And Goran, for his career, has played just in 388 games total and just over 10,000 minutes, 10,010 minutes to be exact. Conversely, Chris Paul, who is, again, just one year older, played in 425 games and has played 15,761 minutes throughout his NBA career. So clearly he's got a lot more mileage on that body, yet nobody looks at Chris Paul and says, can Chris, the, you know, the point guard, continue thriving in two or three seasons? And, and I know their style of play is very different. Uh, Paul doesn't take to the floor. He doesn't get trashed around. He's not nearly as physical as Goran is. Um, but by the same token, he's had a number of injuries with his hands, with his legs, et cetera. That's Chris Paul, that is. And, and, and I don't think Goran is – gotten anywhere near the same number of injuries throughout the course of his career, despite the fact that he arguably plays at a much more physical level, you know? So to me, I don't know why these concerns come into play. Look, I mean, Goran, despite being just a year younger than Chris Paul, obviously didn't play as much when he was with Houston or Phoenix. Um, He wasn't getting the starters minutes for a long time in his career. And I don't see why he can't continue to thrive there. I mean, this year was arguably – the best of his career, uh, with the exception of maybe that 13 all NBA uh, year from a, a few seasons ago when he was with the Suns, but you that know, was, this was yeah, this, that was comparable, right? But absolutely, that, that season three years ago, he hasn't. So, if anything, he hasn't fallen off in three years, right? And I think if he had taken a step back a couple seasons ago, that was more about the stylistic fit alongside Dwayne Wade, not necessarily a, a degradation of his skill set or his health or anything like that. I mean, he was. He played in 73 games this past season. Uh, he probably would have played in more. I, I mean, he, he's a guy who is very difficult to get off the floor because he just he's a competitor. He is physical. He loves the competition aspect of it. Um, I, I, I can't see why he wouldn't be. Again, any player can sustain a, a long-term injury that could keep them out, and then all of a sudden um, they no longer look like the player they were a season or two before. But uh, you know, with that exception, I think looking at his style of play – I think he can continue to play at a high level. I think he's in better condition and shape than he's ever been, right? Um, he's he's definitely gotten more serious about his conditioning since he arrived in Miami. And yeah. that's really important. So historically, I mean, point guards don't age well historically, right? You you At least when it comes to being an elite point guard. Like, you can only be an elite point guard for so long because you get so beaten up 
But in today's NBA, I think that's a little yeah, I different. different. I think it's just it really, is. conditioning overall is just better, right? Like right, yeah, the Ray Allen okay. effect is real. And then, and then just the way you play now. I mean, if look, if if Dragic is going to keep losing teeth every other game, then maybe <laughs> I have a concern. But he's become an even better three point shooter as we saw this last season. If he keeps adding those three that three point shot to his game, and let's if they if they resign waiters, they've got Tyler Johnson right now. Let's those guys drive and kick, and do all that work. I mean, it's not like he is the one the one motor on this offense. Other guys right. can drive and kick, so he's not going to be asked to have this high usage rate where he's just you know careening into the into the paint and kicking out every play. Like there's other options for him to do that, so that should take a load off of him. I right. I just feel the way that this NBA is played. Guys are just getting smaller in general, so yeah. is maybe that that stigma or that you know of of po- smaller point guards not aging well. Maybe that starts to go away or or doesn't manifest as quickly as it used to be. Um, I think and we that's, can't ignore yeah we, we we can't ignore the fact that he's often the guy who's initiating contact too, right? I mean, right. he is the guy who, who drops the shoulder when he gets to the lane to create space, and, and and I mean that's how he's been able to shoot at such a high percentage around the rim and thing. I mean, certainly he drives a lot. He doesn't, you know, he does get contact. We've seen him. He fights through it. But I think to your point, you know, as he continues to space the floor at such a high level. Why wouldn't he just continue to play a, a, a large number of minutes if that three-point shot's going to be available to him? I'm not expecting him to be a 40-plus percent shooter throughout the rest of his career. That would be great, but that doesn't seem likely either. I, I think it's more likely to, yeah. to go around the high 30s. I mean, 38, that seems like a pretty okay. good option, a yeah. pretty good number. For him. And either way, that's still very good spacing. And I think you know if he has that in combination with a driving kick game that's been there throughout his whole career – uh, I don't see why not. And again, it's not he's not necessarily the most athletic guy. He's not John Wall. He's not Russell Westbrook. But he's smart enough and savvy enough to use that shoulder to create space. And that's why he finishes at a, a much higher level around the rim than anybody else around the league. And even if he can't just keep throwing his shoulder into dudes when he's 32 years old, he'll. you're right. He's smart and savvy. He's never relied on his athleticism, you know, right. in the NBA. He, he's right. spoken about that. In Europe, that's what he did. He was the most athletic exactly. guy on the floor. And in, exactly. and in the NBA, I think you wrote this, right? I did. Yeah, yeah I did. Yes. I, I, like, I read a really good piece about. It. Oh yeah. And <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. So yeah, and then he gets to the NBA, and he's like, "I'm. If anything, I'm less athletic than everybody here. At the best case scenario, right. I'm as athletic as anybody here." Right. So he had to be. He had to figure it out, and I think he's he's shown the ability to figure out and, and adjust his game accordingly. Look, he's got a player option when he's when for the, the his age 33 season. Uh, of 19 million. I imagine he would take that. That seems like a nice number to make for a 33-year-old point guard. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent at 34 years old. I think at the center, at the heart of Brian's question here is, can you pay him $19 million at 33 years old? Is he worth it? Do you need to trade him now and sell high? I think that's really the concern at the heart, if I were to, if I were to guess, at Brian's question here. And my answer to that would be, that's that's probably not the best way to think about this. It dep- mm. if if you want your best players around right now, then you've already signed them to this contract. Let them play out the contract. I I just I don't see his cap number. His cap number right now is not an issue for Miami. I don't see it ever being an issue for Miami, even in that nineteen million dollars a year range, because the the cap is going to keep going higher. It's not going to be the same bump we saw last year, but it is going to get higher. And that's what you pay for point guards now. That's just the price you pay for a point guard these days. 
I don't have an issue with it, and I don't unless it's just some knockout deal that comes around. I don't see. I don't think Miami needs to start shopping Dragic around in order to sell high. And, and couldn't you see him, given how comfortable he's finally gotten here in Miami, if he's here after a couple more seasons, you know, this will be the place where he's had the longest tenure. Couldn't you see him off taking that option in his last year of his contract and saying maybe re-signing for two, three seasons at 10 per uh, just to keep his career here going a little bit yeah. longer and not have to worry about a contract as he edges towards retirement? I could see that totally. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And maybe, Agreed. and look, maybe you do overpay him at 34 and 35 years old. You're underpaying him now. Probably, yeah. So, I'll take it. Um, we like Dragic. We should have had we, we should have had Alana on for that question. She she would have just went on for twenty minutes about. <laughs> she paid pay him as much money. as you want to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Trade uh, trade Hassan. Give his twenty million per year to Goran. <laughs> <laughs> um, second question from Chris Leach. I saw an article recommending the Heat get Shabazz Muhammad as another low-risk, high-reward free agent. Along with Jared Sellinger and bringing back the core pieces, that would make a scary good bench for next year. What do you think of this? And are there any other guys in this category you could think of that would help solidify this roster? Um, so Shabazz Muhammad, little contract breakdown here. He's a restricted free agent this year uh, from Minnesota. He's got a, I've got it up here, a $4.2 million um, qualifying offer. Qualifying. So right. it would take at minimum $4.2 million to sign him. So Minnesota will either offer him that, and I imagine they probably would, but maybe not. I, I don't think he's impressed enough in Minnesota to the point where they would really fight for him. So you could, if Miami even came in at 5 or $6 million a year, they could probably get him, I would imagine. Any team. If any team came in with that amount, they could probably get him from Minnesota. Um so we're thinking maybe that range between four point two and six million is probably what Muhammad's going to be making per season next year. Um, yeah. So I don't know, man. Um, I don't know what you have, your opinion of Muhammad. Twenty four years old, fourteenth pick in the draft at UCLA. He was a number two recruit at a high school, right behind Orleans Noel, who was the number one recruit that year. Didn't impress a whole lot at UCLA though. That's why he dropped in the lottery to the, to the last yeah. pick of the lottery. Hasn't been very good in the NBA. I mean, I know, He's I know, flashes. The, yeah, shows flashes. I know the article that Chris is referring to is at hoopshabit.com, um, and I did see that. I don't love the idea. I don't know what you think about it. Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily a big fan either. Uh, I, I haven't watched him as religiously as. You know, most Wolves fans, but I haven't seen anything from him to indicate that he's ready for that next level of greatness. I don't know that there's necessarily a knock on him. Like, I, I you know, ironically enough, there's more baggage associated with a guy like Dion Waiters before he signed here. And, you know, obviously Dion wound up thriving in Miami. But I don't know if if Muhammad is necessarily a guy who's ready to take a next level or not. I, I haven't seen anything. I don't know if those. I don't know if his ceiling is as high as Dion's. I don't think his uh, his floor is as low as Dion's was before he came here either. So, you know, he's just a guy who can do some things, but more often than not, he doesn't. And, you know, at 6'6 and 223 pounds, he's probably a little heavy. Yep. Uh, I would imagine Miami would probably get him to drop a little weight um, and maybe have him be a little bit more consistent. But, you know, he he's still going to be just a wing player. And I think Miami's got enough depth at the wing where they don't necessarily need to add a guy like Shabazz. I don't think that's the most 
glaring area of need for Miami. They I think could, they, they could if they need a wing, the I think they do need yeah. a wing, but it's not. You're right. It's not a guy like Muhammad that they need. More of a shooter. More with more length too. He's like a sure. stocky six six. Like I, I, I. He's probably six four and a half with sh- without shoes. You know what I mean? Like he's not a big six yeah. six. He's not a. He's not a guy that looks six six. <laughs> so, I, I'm. I'm with look. He he is a little. He can he can afford to lose some weight, and I like the idea here that hey, go get this guy who was a top recruit, has all the talent in the world, bring him into Miami, get him down to like five percent body fat, get him just like lean, mean, and get him going, and maybe and he is a high reward player. He is a guy who can score. You know, he is a guy who can create his own shot. That's fine. I think he's closer to the Derek Williams side of the spectrum though than he is the James Johnson side of the spectrum. You know, he, there, I'm looking I, at it now. Actually, sorry to interrupt, but no. you know his height with without shoes. You're right, six four and three quarters oh, according I nailed to the it. Ooh. the draft combine there. But his wingspan is actually six eleven. That's actually pretty nice. It is. I mean, that's that's just like a huh. like Josh Richardson, isn't it? I mean, that's yep. he's they're probably pretty similar in size. He's just got a little bit more heft to him, and you know, again, you could probably get him to lose that weight here. But he's just never been a defender. You know, yeah, it's not his sponsor. He's looking to score. His like, defensive oh, no. box plus minus, according to Basketball Reference, minus four point one. That's really that's bad. Good. That's really bad. But so again, I, you know, that's a bad Minnesota team, though. I mean, how much of that falls on him specifically? Tom Thibodeau plays guys <laughs> who can defend, right? And he didn't play Shabazz uh-huh. Muhammad a whole lot. I think he played what? Um, Actually, seventy-eight games, nineteen minutes per game. I think they played him a little bit. Yeah, I mean that was. He I had see, some. But he's not there. a good defender, though. Like I don't know what they they didn't have a whole lot of options. He's not a good defender. Yeah. I just look, and you know what? This would have he. I would have been down for Shabazz Muhammad last summer. High, I, I agree. High reward. Get him in shape. Who knows? Maybe he can be a, a big time scorer for you. I just this year Miami doesn't have a ton of cap room to to throw around. For six million a year to got to projects like they did last. Yeah, year. I think that's, that's yeah, that's a little bit too much. I, I could see if you could get a guy like Muhammad for three for twelve, maybe. That's a, not a bad year. investment for a guy. Yeah, that's three, not a bad investment for a guy. Is, that's still yeah, good. and yeah, totally. That makes sense to me. But the that's qualifying offer, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go over the qualifying offer. Maybe you get him at five or six a year. Maybe you know, but. Miami just doesn't have that cap room. You know, they're trying to re-sign Waiters and James Johnson and maybe sign one other guy. And that other guy is not going to be Shabazz Muhammad. That's not what they're looking for. So, um, but in that in that vein, other guys that fit that mold, Chris mentioned Jared Sullinger. You and I are, we, we've started the Sullinger train. We want, we want Sullinger in Miami. He's a guy yes. who you can get at $2.3 million, which is the veteran minimum next year. Coming off of an injury, get him in shape. Get him to trim some of that body fat down. He's a guy that can hit threes at like a thirty-ish percent rate. For yes. you can play small ball five for you, some four for you. We like him. Any other guys that kind of fit that? Okay, get get him in here, lose some weight, high reward type player. Anybody that fits that that mold. I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. And guys that are like on that cusp. Yeah. On their way out, I it's it's a tough one. Um, like. Jonas Jarebko? Is he on the cusp, though? Or is he just like he's in like, a weird situation in, in, uh, 
in he, Boston. He's cuspish. He's cuspish. Like he's gonna be. He's gonna be on an NBA roster next year at like five million a year. Like it's he's cuspy. A little cuspy there. Like I think. What about Terrence Jones? I mean, he's the guy that we were talking about when uh, when he was bought out by New Orleans. Yeah, but didn't all that stuff come out after? He's got some like attitude issues or something, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to deal with that. LaVoy Allen, James Michael McAdoo is a so guy I like that. He's a restricted I've, agent. I've texted you about Adrian Payne before, and you've mentioned to me that Minnesota fans are, are really low on Adrian Payne. But yeah. his advanced stats are good. It's it's small sample size. Um, never really found it. Right. He, could play, he yeah. could play the center for you. He could. He, he's he's just, nice he played 135 shot. minutes this past season. That's not good. He's on the cusp. <laughs> he's on the cusp of playing in China is where he is. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe something like that. Um, what about Mike Scott? Ooh, that's a good one. I like Mike Scott. Mike Scott's the, that's the winner. I've always liked Mike Scott. Have you really? Yeah. I feel like every time I watched the Hawks when he was on there, he just always had a good game. Didn't he have that, he had that playoff series a few years ago? I can't remember against who, where he was just, just draining threes. Um, I think that's a good one. I don't think he's ever been in a situation like Miami. He could play some four. He could play some five for you, I think. Yeah. I like I like Mike Scott. That might be a good one. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else here. I'm going through a list of uh, players. If they could find a center, because we we both think that Willie Reed probably get go gets priced out. I just don't see. I what mean, Sellinger seems like such a good fit, just because yeah. he's smart. He's got experience on playoff teams. He does have some range. He's a good rebounder. He's a guy. <laughs> If you can't do the the whole iPad before and after photos with him, I mean, I don't know who can. I don't think he's necessarily as as heavy as he looks on TV. Having talked to him and sit next to him, he's not necessarily that fat, but he certainly is a lot wider than your average NBA guy. And he's a guy they already brought him in. I could see him dropping 40, 50 oh, pounds yeah. here. Yeah. And all of a sudden becoming light on his feet, Wouldn't all the, the ankle foot injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And then all of a sudden, then you, I mean, as much as this past season really helped cement it, if you get a guy like Sullinger to play at a really high level and have him drop the weight, basically Miami just gets, you know, becomes the, the place where you go to revitalize your career. If, have you struggled yeah. a little bit in the NBA? You want to make some money in the future? Come to Miami. James we'll Johnson and career. Waiters were one thing. If you can turn right. Sullinger into a player. Hey, Big Baby Davis said that he needs to get in shape. On TNT, he's like yeah, they asked him. He's thirty-one years old. Are you ever gonna go back? I, I have no, I have no, uh, no interest in signing Glenn Davis. But um, how about this for an option, Tyreek Evans? I don't oh. know how much he's gonna get paid this summer. Too much, probably. I don't know. I don't know what his value is. He's he's so hard to pin down. He's been in nothing but bad positions, bad situations yeah. his entire career. Save for maybe his rookie year in Sacramento, just because they were like, do whatever you want. And, and he won rookie of the year. And then after that, it was just a bad situation. And then he somehow found his way back in Sacramento after. I, I talked to him in Sacramento, by the way. Did not seem yeah. happy about being there after that trade. He was just like, I thought I got out of here. What the hell? Um, it's like that line from Godfather 3, right? I thought it was out and they pulled me back in. That's, me that's back the. In. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly that's the it. King's front office. Woke up, he's like, oh, are you? Freaking kidding me! Um, so after doing after that, if anybody's going to take less money to go to South Beach, it's probably Tyreek Evans. Yeah, it's so, just a leap. Um, and I love that idea. Just get. It's not that he's not in shape, but he's not in shape. You know what I mean? He's not like James Johnson cut at this point. He's not Goran Dragic in shape. 
But he's had injury Miami. too. I mean, he's had he's, he's had to concerns. deal with some problems. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But that's that's what makes him a, a cuspish. Yeah, cuspish. Right. That's what gives him cuspish like qualities. And and if if Miami can get Tyreek Evans at that Muhammad price, I'd rather have him because he's at least able to get he's at least productive in some way, and he's a drive and kick guy. That's his game. He fits. You put him at the three. That makes sense. Um, I'm looking at the description of him as a as a free agent according to hoopshype.com, and this this seems pretty pretty good. Gets buckets, but he's not the most efficient scorer around. But then again, you probably would have made the same estimation of Deion Waiters a couple seasons ago. Absolutely, one hundred. So if you lose out on Waiters, do you shift to Tyreek Evans as as your next rebuilding mm-hmm. project? Really good question. That's a great question, and I think yes, I think that that's. Either that, or you just go in another direction and pay JJ Redick what he wants, eighteen million a year. Oh, Maybe no, you do that. No, no okay. So no. if you could get Evans at five or six million a year, hell yeah, I'd say that's not a bad, a bad replacement for Waiters, unless you just want okay. to start Richardson or Tyler Johnson, which is probably the best. You're my go-to guy at Sacramento. You know Ben McLemore or Tyreek Evans. Who would you rather have? Oh God. Both of them. McLemore. Yeah, he could play younger. some three for you. He's younger. I love his attitude. Now, Great can attitude. he at twenty? What twenty four, twenty five? Can yeah. he come to Miami and ignore the obvious distractions of Miami? Yes. Yeah, this is a, okay. Macklemore is never dude. mind. Never mind. I just saw his agent. Who's his agent? Rich Paul. Perfect. Miami Plus has a, Miami has a good history with Rich Paul. Do they really? I, I thought it kind of sour <laughs> towards the end there. <laughs> I had no idea his agent was Rich Paul. Yeah, yeah, and and he represents our boy Kentavious Caldwell Pope too. So I don't think KCP is going to come to Miami oh, anytime soon. Don't say that. Um, all right, next question here. Uh, but, 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 but where are we? Oh, uh, from Corey Ned on Twitter: Who's a better long-term fit at shooting guard, Deion Waiters or Tyler Johnson? Hmm. Not not that uh, not that far apart in age. Uh, Dion actually just uh, about five months older yeah, than TJ. Same age. Yep. Basically. Um, better long term fit. To be honest with you, I would say it's probably Waiters. I think. I think he's a more capable defender. I think he's got the the strength and the heft to guard more positions than Tyler does. I think so much of what Tyler does and is so appealing to Heat fans is basically just that he busts his his butt every time he's out there. So much effort, uh, considering he plays through injury and he keeps trying, he gets knocked down, he comes back up. But that seems like it would be more of a detriment in the long term. So if you're looking at a guy who's a better fit in that long term, to me, I think it's Waiters. I think he's a guy who can shoot. Uh, He's obviously a guy who can drive to the rim. He can rebound. He can defend a number of positions. Um, I, I think he's just – if you're looking at that shift in lead that we talked about in the last couple of podcasts as far as trying to get the most versatile players on the floor at any one time, I think Waiters is probably your guy. He obviously feels much more comfortable handling the ball. Um, he's, a, he's a catch-and-shoot guy as well, for, especially from the corner. I, I, I you know, I, This is not personal feelings about Waiters notwithstanding. I just think he's a better fit for the team. I mean, yes. Just, yep. I agree with all of that. I don't know if I can add anything to that. Yeah. I mean, right. Waiters is, like I said, like you said, same age. Um, he's more raw talent. I 
I love Tyler Johnson. But if we're talking about a guy, we saw this last year, Waiters has an innate ability to get to the rim. He's not worried about the guy in front of him. He's worried about the guy behind the guy in front of him, right? He needs. To, yeah. He is so good at getting to the rim and kicking out. At, at his floor, he's a shot creator, right? And though, that's a very valuable thing to have. At his, at his height, he's winning. He's beating the Golden State Warriors. Tyler Johnson is probably best suited as a six-man for his yeah. entire career. And that's I've I've always trumpeted the value of that. Like I am okay if you a six man is basically a starter at this point. He's getting the same amount of minutes, but it's just it's a rotation thing, and that's his spot. But waiters I think could just give you a, a few more extra things that Tyler Johnson can't. Better long term, I agree with you. Defensively, he's way more versatile. Tyler Johnson's probably a guy who defends two positions. Waiters defending three. Um, so I agree with everything you said. Waiters is probably a long a better long term fit. And it's an interesting question here because Miami has to make that decision at some point, I would imagine. Yeah, right? no doubt. So um, hopefully they re-sign waiters and they can at least wait at least a half a season before having to make that decision. Um, all right, next question. We got two questions about um, Hamad... I'm going to butcher Hamadou. Hamadou, Hamadou Diallo. Hamadou Diallo. Um, if you don't know who he is... Join the club. Most people don't. So here's the question. <laughs> Considering that the Heat have one of the best develop- developmental programs in the NBA and Cleveland is set to reign at the top of the East for at least a couple of more years, do you think that Rylesburg, shout out to Rylesburg, thanks for using that, would have the foresight to take... You do it. I forgot how to do it. Hamadou Diallo. With the 14th pick. Diallo would likely be a high lottery pick in the 2018 draft, so he would be a steal at 14 a year earlier. That's from Andre. We got the same question from Tyler Thomas on Twitter. The Heat will probably draft TJ Leaf, but Diallo is available if but if Diallo is available in the second round, we need to buy a pick. I like that we're just probably going to draft TJ Leaf. That's the assumption. So I, I'll take no, Tyler's I, I, word I, for it. I have no idea. Um, I don't see that either. But I, mean, I, I think you, you know. I think Diallo's yeah. stock obviously is climbing as a result of his showing at the combine. He he tested well. Which is, you know, something a lot of people like to to look at and say that that might, you know, translate into potential playing. He didn't get much playing time uh, in his one year at uh, what was it, Kentucky? Was he in Kentucky? Yes, but he, he didn't play. Okay. He's basically a, he's basically right. a prep to pros guy. Right. Um, look, six five in shoes, six eleven wingspan, six eleven right. and a quarter specifically. Uh, Forty four and a half inch vertical leap. It's huge. A lot of people love the athleticism. That yeah. doesn't necessarily translate, though. I mean, and we know that. Like, there are guys that are really, really athletic, can do a lot, and, and don't necessarily play. A lot of that has to do with fit. I don't think, based on the comments that we've seen out of the combine from the front office guys that are there, Chet Kammerer, mm-hmm. Ellisberg, and others, I don't think that – I don't think they're looking to spend the 14th pick on a, a, that kind of a long-term project. I think what, what we saw the comments basically were – that they're looking for a guy who can come in and be a valuable role player basically tomorrow. And I think you look at guys like OG Anunoby and others, Justin Jackson perhaps, who has a little bit more experience at a higher level uh, collegiately, you know, you know, given just in one season, but still a little bit more experience than, than Diallo. And I think those are guys that are more likely that they'll take at 14 rather than a long-term project. Now, if they can get – if he's still available in the second round, Miami obviously doesn't have a pick there, but if they can acquire one – Maybe that's a good idea. 
I don't know what you'd have to trade in order to get a guy like uh, or get a second round pick so that you can draft the Alex. Right now, draft one. Express. You can you can they are able to spend four million dollars basically to buy a pick, and I think that's what they might I, do. I don't think, would you, spend, you really think so? What? You really think that they'll take that? You'll, you'll no, spend that kind I just, of money. That's what pick? that's what it would take, though. That's how that okay. if they get a second round pick, that's how they get one. You don't think they'd move like, uh, say, Richardson or something like that no. for a second round pick? I don't see it either. No way. No, no, no. I think yeah. they would just, yeah, they would just spend. The, basically, what they'd say is, um, and ultimately, I think what happens is there's not a lot of centers available uh, mm-hmm. in free agency, but there's a bunch of just like long dudes, and I think centers are going to fall in this year's draft. So yeah. they might somewhere in the top of the second round say, let's give let's give X team four million dollars. And basically, oh. we're we're paying four million dollars f- to f- replace Willie Reed, you know, with a with Thomas Bryant out of Indiana or something like that. Like that's yeah. What I was I, just looking at that one. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that seems like an intriguing option. Well, Diallo is actually listed at thirty fifth in a, in a Draft Express's most recent mock draft, which I, would I've play seen some... him projected. I've seen him projected in the lottery, and then I've seen him say, and then I've heard other scouts. I've read other scouts say he's a second round pick at best. And here's right. the thing with Diallo, yeah. right? Is I don't think he signed an agent yet. Maybe I'm wrong. No, that's right. No, that's right. I, I did read that. So he's going to figure out. So he may or may not be in the draft. And if he does go in the draft, I imagine that means that he's got enough intel that he's going to be picked in the top of the like maybe the top half of the first round. And I could totally see that given how NBA teams pick. And there's enough NBA teams with like multiple first round picks. Portland, uh, Sacramento might do it because who knows. Um, uh, there's some teams that 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 makes sense. Like if Portland were to, they, Portland's got like three picks. If, yeah. If they they seem like a team that would say, all right, let's use two picks on guys we know, and let's take a and let's go with the high the high ceiling guy. Let's go for the home run hit here with our third pick. That to me seems like the team that would take Diallo. Miami, they've got one pick. You know, in the next in the foreseeable future, and it's this one. They have so to make a count, yeah. They've got to make a count. And so you could say, with that logic, well, go for the home run. But at the same time, if he busts, you've just wasted a pick. Um, right. And that just doesn't seem like the kind of guy Miami takes. Now, I don't know. If 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 Justin Jackson and OG and Unaboy are gone, and even like Terrence Ferguson is gone by the time the Heat pick, and Miami just needs a wing guy, maybe. I just don't see it, man. I just... I don't see that being the right way to, to use the pick. I, and I'm all about high ceiling, go for your all-star at 14. But just yeah. because he's projected to be a lottery pick next year, that's not enough to do it for me. That's not – I need to – I want to see him. You know, maybe – you know, Miami is obviously at the draft combine. They're going to see whatever they can out of Diallo. Uh, and maybe he blows him away, and he's worth the 14th pick at that point. That could be the case. You don't know. But um, it takes more than a really nice wingspan and a vertical for me and uh i'd rather go get a guy who i know like an og and Unaboy type or even like a zach collins out of gonzaga who i know could contribute at the very least and then and still has a nice ceiling right right they'll probably air more on the safer side than anything else which is not something that a lot of fans want to hear but that doesn't mean again a lot of these guys have potential they haven't had the experience because they've only played a season in college for the most part uh, with the exception of a guy like Anunoby, who's a sophomore, Justin Jackson, who's a junior, and arguably those are the guys that are linked most to Miami at this point in the draft. Exactly. Um, okay. 
Well, that's all we have for today. That's the end of our two-part mailbag for the week. Thank you for listening. Um, whether Thank you listening. for submitting questions. Yes, absolutely. And you can submit questions in the future to Locked On Heat on Twitter or by email um, at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. And if you're not subscribed already, please do so to get the podcast automatically every day. Then go to iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.